Well, good morning. Welcome to River Oaks. So great to have all of you with us today. Welcome also to those of you joining us online. I love this time of year, the Advent season, when we celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we get into our message, though, I'd like to ask you to look just for a moment at what we call our vision frame. Our vision frame is one of the best ways, I think, to learn about who we are as a church and who we hope to be whom we believe the Lord has called us to be. And I want to direct your attention to the left side of the frame, to the value you see at the bottom. These are not in any order of importance, but being next generation focused is one of our most important, most significant values. And then at the top of the frame, you see the marks, uh, next generation investing. This is the way these values are being expressed in our church or lived out in our church. We feel it critically important to invest in the next generation, not only with our uh, material resources, but also our time, our volunteering. And I'm reminded of that often when I see baptisms here because so many of the baptisms that we have the privilege of celebrating are students. It's simply a fact that most people who come to faith in Jesus Christ come before the age of 18. And that's why we feel it's a very important to use our time, our strength, our energy, our resources to invest in our children in Noah's Ark, Kids Rock, middle schoolers, and high schoolers. I'm reminded of something that was said by the famous evangelist D.L. Moody in the latter 1800s. He had done an evangelistic meeting one night, and the next day he encountered a longtime acquaintance on the street. And he said, Mr. Moody, how did your meeting go last night? He said, it went fine. His friend said, were any saved? And D.L. Moody said, yes, two and a half. The friend looked perplexed, said, two and a half? Oh, I understand, two adults and a child. He said, no, two children and one adult. The adult's life is half over. The children have their entire lives ahead of them. Points to the great importance of investing in the next generation. And I hope many of you will sense a calling to serve our children in Noah's Ark, Kids Rock, or work with our students. And we often see the fruit of that when we uh, have the privilege of celebrating baptisms here. May we always be a church who prioritizes the next generation. Now, before we get into the scripture today, I'd like to pray once again. I know this is a time of great joy for many people, but I also know it's a time of sadness for many, many who've lost a loved one uh, in the past year in particular. So would you join me as we pray? Father, we gather together as your church today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the joy of this season. But Lord, we want to pray for our friends now for whom this year is particularly a time of deep sadness. Those who have lost a spouse, a child, a parent, a sibling, a close friend or family member. Father, we pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit for them. That you would feel, so fill the place that seems empty with the presence of the Holy Spirit that your nearness would be very real to them and your comfort would be very great. Would you bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them? Lord, for those facing health crises or relationship issues or job crises, would you pour grace upon them that in this season 
we would find our strength in you, our hope in you. And we pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are talking this season about what we've called Advent encounters. And we've been looking at people in the Advent passages in the early chapters of both uh, Matthew and Luke, people who had divine encounters, encounters particularly with angels. We've seen the life of Zechariah, who encountered the angel Gabriel. Last week, we looked at the life of Joseph, who would be the husband of Mary. An angel spoke to Joseph in a dream. And today, we'll look at the best-known figure in the Advent uh, record. That's Mary. And the conversation that the angel Gabriel had with Mary. We read these words in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, <clears throat> and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. It will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. <clears throat> and Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Bible commentators say that Mary was likely a very young teenager when these events took place, perhaps only 14 or 15 years of age. If she was in our church, we'd say she was part of the next generation. She was young. And yet we see this in God's word to Mary, this young woman, remarkable encounter with the angel Gabriel, it says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And again, Mary, you found favor with God. Now, we think about Mary, we think she had an incredibly unique and special role. That is true, absolutely true. As we're going to look at what we can learn from Mary's experience today. So no doubt, her role was unique, her role was special. But let me say this to you, if you've put your faith in Jesus... You are also favored by God. In fact, the Bible uses the word chosen to refer to you if you have embraced the salvation he's provided through Jesus Christ. God says to Mary, you're favored. Furthermore, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at the saying, and the angel tries to put her in ease and says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God once again. And then you'll conceive and bear a son. 
You'll conceive a bear, bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. As we saw last week, the name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saved. The name of Jesus speaks to his mission, his role, what he would accomplish, what he would do. And then God tells Mary, this will come about by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is wondering how in the world this can happen. And she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And Gabriel answers very simply, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And the angel goes on to say, for nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. What was Mary's response to all this? And again, I think her response is absolutely remarkable given her likely very, very young age. Mary says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary is saying essentially, I believe. And we see the faith of this young woman. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. And we see the humility of this young woman. I submit to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And we see the reverence this young woman has for God's message, for God's word. Remarkable response to this call from God. So the question I'd like to raise is this, what, what can you and I learn from Mary's response in this Advent encounter? What can you and I learn about obeying God's call? call because we, we, we won't have the same call that Mary had, but we each will have some calling from God to which we must respond in life, perhaps any number of different callings at different seasons of life to do God's will. Here's what I think we can learn from Mary. First of all, obeying God's call may very well affect your reputation. Think about this for a moment. At this point in time, Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be married. Betrothal was stronger than engagement in our time, almost uh, akin to a, a legal agreement, but they were not yet married. They were not yet living under the same roof. They did not yet have the physical relationship of marriage. And what would this mean for their relationship now that Mary was found to be pregnant? Joseph had not yet at this point had the dream that the angel gave him to explain what was happening and to tell him to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. Mary was found to be pregnant before this because when Joseph learned of it, the scripture says in Matthew, he resolved to put her away quietly rather than putting her to public shame. So what did this mean for Mary? This could affect her relationship with Joseph. And it would have if the angel had not intervened. What would her family think? What would the Jewish community think? And remarkably, when the word came to her from God, when the call came from God, her eyes were not on herself or how this would affect her reputation, but on the privilege of obeying God. And she responds, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Let it be to me according to your word. 
Now on the screen you see some words that Jesus spoke, and these words are applicable to every single one of us. Because when we faithfully follow Him, it's very likely that our reputation will be affected in some way. But Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil. It affects your reputation. Your friends may reject you. Oh, she's that Christian. He's that Jesus freak that actually believes the Bible. Jesus said, when they spurn your name is evil on the count of the Son of Man, actually rejoice in that day and leap for joy because your reward is great in heaven. Obeying God's call fully. As Ethan and Lydia expressed today in their baptism, obeying God's call may well affect your reputation, very likely will. Secondly, obeying God's call may disrupt your plans. In Jewish culture, weddings were the greatest of celebrations. We read a lot about Jewish weddings in the Gospels. Jesus told parables and did his teachings around wedding feasts and wedding celebrations. Sometimes in Jesus' day, a, a wedding celebration would go on not for an entire day, but days actually. And we can imagine that for a young Jewish woman like Mary, her anticipation of her wedding day would have been her anticipation of probably the greatest celebration in her life. She would have looked ahead to it, she would have dreamed about it, and since she'd been betrothed to Joseph, probably would have been part of planning things, but now all of a sudden, God's plan changes her plans. We don't read in the Bible anywhere of a wedding for Mary and Joseph. All we read is in the Gospel of Matthew that an angel spoke to Joseph and told him that that which was conceived in his wife was from the Holy Spirit, that he was to, to take her as, as his wife. And we read in Matthew 1.24, he took her as his wife but did not know her until she had given birth to a son. Maybe they had a wedding, but I think surely it was not the large Jewish celebration that a typical wedding may have been in that time. God's call may disrupt our plans. God's plan for our lives is always best, but God's plan for our lives is not always easy. It will likely come with some degree of sacrifice on our part, some trials and adversities, perhaps some disappointments. I think, for example, of God's plan for Jesus going to the cross, God's plan for the apostles, the disciples, and what they had to leave behind to faithfully follow Jesus. I think of the apostle Paul of whom God said, I'll show him what great things he must suffer for my sake. Obeying God's call may disrupt your plans, but that is in order to follow His better plan. Not easier, but better. Thirdly, 
we see this in Mary, obeying God's call will require faith. When Mary goes and sees her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth says to her, blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Remarkable the faith of this young woman, Mary. She believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. A marvel at the faith of this young woman. It requires faith in God to obey Him. When God calls us to repent, to turn from sin and begin to follow Jesus, it takes faith. When God calls us even as, as those who already know Jesus to, to sacrifice something, to forgive someone, to take a step of faith, to, to witness to someone, to share our faith, to give, to forgive someone. It always requires faith, step of faith. And sometimes God's call will go against our wishes. His call may seem like actually a, a great risk at times. And it will require faith to obey Him. But we must always remember this. When God calls us to obedience in some way, and it requires faith, we must always remember our, our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is not in our ability to do what God says do. Our faith is in our Creator, the all-powerful one, the omnipotent one. And that's the way it was with Mary. She believed there'd be a fulfillment and God would bring about that fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So we see obeying God's call may affect our reputation. It may disrupt our plans. It will require faith. But finally, obeying God's call will result ultimately in joy. Great, great joy. Mary, after Elizabeth says to her, blessed is, is she who believed there would be a fulfillment that was spoken to her by God, Mary begins with these incredible words that are, are known as the Magnificat. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Despite the challenges to her reputation and her plans, Mary's response is, is joy. She feels privileged to be able to do what God says to do despite the cost. Mary says yes to God, and she has great joy. Throughout the Advent accounts in Scripture, we see joy surfacing throughout. When the Magi see the star that leads them to the Christ child, the Bible says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In Luke 1, uh, chapter uh, verse 44, when Mary goes to Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, the baby in my womb leaped for joy on hearing her voice. When the angel appeared to the shepherds in the field after Christ was born, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You may have noticed when the Wolf family lit, lit the um, Advent wreath earlier that, that the candle that was lit was the joy candle. And that's because joy is such a part of everything involved with the Advent. 
And we see this joy in Mary when she obeys God's call. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The outcome of obedience to God's call is joy. So as we reflect on Mary's call, what can we know to be true if we, like Mary, say yes to God? What can we know to be true? Well, number one, we can know, as the angel said to her, the Lord is with you. If you have embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you may not feel God's presence, but you can be assured of God's presence. Because Jesus says to his followers, I'm with you always. In Hebrews, the scripture says, God speaks to his people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When God gives you something to do that's hard or challenging, you can know for sure the Lord is with you. Secondly, you can know that the Lord will give you the power to do whatever he calls you to do. Mary says when Gabriel the angel tells her what God's plan for her is, she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The next word out of Gabriel's mouth are these, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. We may wonder, how can I witness to someone, share my faith with someone? So one of my friends at school, or somebody I'm going to see over the holidays for my family. How can I do that? I think God's calling me to do it. How can I possibly do that? I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability. The answer is the same. The Holy Spirit. You may be thinking, how can I live a more holy life? Continue to struggle with this thing. The answer is the same. The Holy Spirit. You may be thinking, how can I become a person of prayer? I know I'm supposed to pray. I read in the Bible we're supposed to pray. I struggle with prayer. Is it possible for me ever to become a person with a vibrant prayer life? The answer is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. The Apostle Paul himself writing to the Corinthians, said not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Our adequacy, our sufficiency for everything we're called to do for God is from God. The Holy Spirit gives us this enabling power. So I encourage you, as you think about your spiritual growth in the coming year, in your prayer life, in your life of service to God, your devotion to Him and study of His Word and witnessing to others, get a greater vision because the vision for what God can do in you is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon your openness and yieldedness to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. For nothing will be impossible with God, the angel said. When we obey God's call, we can know the Lord is with us. We can know the Lord will give us the power to do anything He calls us to do. 
And thirdly, like Mary, we can know this, there is great joy in obeying God's call. Mary's a wonderful example for us. But Jesus is our perfect example. We read these words about Christ in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the, the founder and perfecter, or the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who brings us to faith, the one who helps our faith grow, the one who brings it to maturity, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' calling, his call to obey the Father's plan was not by any means easy. Jesus even prayed before going to the cross, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Your will be done. It was not an easy path because on the cross where he would shed his blood, he would bear the weight of judgment for our sins. He would take our place. He would be our substitute. He would be the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. What must that have been like for the sinless Son of God Himself? We can't imagine. But even on the cross, He looked ahead to the joy. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. What was that joy? I think it was you and me the people whom he would redeem and bring to himself his forever family. That's the reason he endured. That's the reason he bore that weight of judgment for sin, the righteous wrath of God for us, for the joy set before him. The Lord's portion is his people. He did this for you. He did this for me. Believers who are walking with God always look ahead to joy. Obeying God's call is not always easy. But we always look ahead to joy. Sometimes that joy is not complete in this life. But we're assured of its completeness in eternity. As the Bible says regarding God's presence, where we will all, if we've put faith in Jesus, one day be. As the Bible says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Joy, I think, is going to be, if not the most evident, one of the most evident characteristics of heaven because in his presence is fullness of joy. And so we can know these things. Maybe God's calling you to do something now. You know he's calling you. You can know the Lord is with you. 
The Lord will give you the power to do what he calls you to do. And though it may not be easy, it probably won't. There's great joy, ultimate joy, in obeying God's call. So as we close, let me raise two questions by way of personal application. The first one is this. Have I obeyed God's call to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord? Truly embracing Him as the Lord of your life, following Him. Someone may say, well, I I believe in Him, but I'm afraid to really follow Him. I mean, ask Him to be the Lord of my life. I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid it'll change my life. Of course it will change your life. How could it not change your life to have the Holy Spirit of the living God regenerate you and come to live within you? How could it not change your life? Think of Mary and the way her life was dramatically changed by saying yes to God's call. But let me ask you this. Would you rather walk through life going your own way or going the way that's guided by the God who created you and is omniscient and all-powerful, all-wise. What's the better choice? Secondly, if you are a believer, is God calling me to take some step of faith to obey Him more fully? It may be a commitment depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to live a more holy life than you've been living. Maybe obedience to forgive someone who you know God's calling you to forgive. It may be to give Him control of some area of your life that you know you've been holding back. I don't know what it is. But I believe God is calling us to a deeper devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ as individuals, but also as a church body here at River Oaks. Would you pray with me about that now? Father, I have a sense that your Holy Spirit is speaking to many of us today about yielding control to you. I pray for those who have not yet embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, that you bring them to that yielded devotion and a true saving knowledge of Jesus is the way and the truth and the life this day. For others who are wrestling with obedience to you in some way, Lord, would you enable them to say like Mary did, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. May it be to me according to your word. May we say yes to you, Father. Yes to you. And know that you give us the power to do what you call us to do and that ultimately the greatest joy is found in obedience to you. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.